today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith Literally, we can't understand why things happen the way they do. You've got to leave it in God's hands. You've got to realize that He's behind the scenes. He knows, He sees, He understands. And trust in Him. Simply trust in Him. But the psalmist goes on to say, but what a difficult task this is. Then it says, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Sometimes it's really hard to accept the chaos and the bad that's going on in the world. Looking through Ecclesiastes, Pastor Ed tells us that Solomon found that the world was unjust and full of oppression. If we were to live under the context that there is no God, we'd find that the implications of that are truly that nothing matters. Neither good nor the bad. It would all be irrelevant. Luckily, as Christians, we know that God gives us purpose and brings justice. He has all the answers that we seek. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Building in faith. Now, remember earlier, he said that God put eternity in our hearts. And at the end of the book, again, he reiterates the theme that everyone will have to give an account to God. And that's going to be after we die. But in this present world, injustice will happen again and again and again. That's part of the journey in this life from an earthly perspective. Paul Harvey tells the story about Gary Tyndale, and uh, he's a thief. He's in California. He robs, steals, and he's caught. And he's brought into the courtroom of Judge Rodriguez. He asks if he could just slip out for a few moments to go to the bathroom. Now, he, he goes to the bathroom, and he realizes that he he's going to get it. Jail time is just awaiting him. So he decides he's going to try and escape, picks a panel and climbs up into the ceiling. He goes south about 30 feet, and then a panel gives way, and he falls back into the courtroom right in front of Rodriguez. (laughs) He might have been a good thief, but not a good escape artist. (laughs) But that really is a parable of what will happen everyone. No one escapes God's courtroom. No one escapes God's judgment. Now, you can sing in the choir, and perhaps you mispractice, and you just mouth the words. Now, Pastor Craig is real sharp, and he'll notice those things, but uh, perhaps some people think they could just mouth the words and go and sing and things like that, And, and some people think like That's what's going to happen when they get to heaven. They're going to just sing with the rest of the choir, mount the words, and just go through the actions. No, no, no. When you stand before the judge, it's a solo. It's a solo. 
God will judge each of us according to how we have lived our life. He'll judge us for what we've done, what we haven't done. And so Solomon is saying, if you exclude God, life is simply meaningless. It has no meaning. If there is no judgment, then what's going to happen with all of the injustices that are a part of the journey? You know, if you have enough money and the good team of lawyers who know the loopholes in the law, well, you can not pay the same penalty oftentimes that others pay. Uh, You can slip through the system, and so many do. Or at times, you may be accused, and you're innocent, and there you're sitting in jail, as, as numerous people have, who've never committed the crime, but yet they've suffered. Our world is filled literally with injustice. We live in a fallen world. That's the world we live in. And so Solomon concludes, verse 22. Well, I'll read 20 and 21 just to comment on it. So all go to the same place, all come from the dust, and to the dust all return. We're all made from the dust of the earth and from a worldly perspective who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth what he's saying if you don't have a god who knows and then he goes on to say in verse 22 here is his conclusion so i saw that there's nothing better for man to enjoy his work because that is his lot For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? In other words, we don't know what will happen after we die. We don't know what will happen in the years to come. Leave those things in God's hands. Recognize that life is a gift from God. So enjoy the gift that God has given you. God gives men the ability to enjoy life. And so whatever you have, God's given you to do. Let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. We live in a world that is constantly under an unjust system. It's built into the system. It's built into our culture. It's a part of the journey. He makes, though, a second observation. And this observation is even more crushing. Because he says we live in an oppressive world. In an oppressive world. In Ecclesiastes 4.1. Again I looked and I saw that all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. They have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressors. They have no comfort. The idea is the powerful just do what they want. And they oppress people. Didn't it bother you when 21 Coptic Christians in Egypt were beheaded? Wasn't it painful when ISIS lit on fire people? I think it was 41 that were slain and they were, women were raped, children were abused, people were killed. The oppression that we live in in this world is real. Solomon looked out on the scene. Now that's not an anomaly. That's not just the 21st century. But that 
typifies all of human history. Solomon in his time could say, it's an oppressive world that we live in. You see the tragedy, you see the suffering. My friend, Pastor Jim and I were talking. He told me when he went to South America, he was in a country and there many of the parents were in prison and the children were just living on their own. And the government, he was told, got the children together because they were a burden to the society and they just killed them. That goes on again and again and again. And Solomon sees it. He feels it. You just look at the news. You just look at what's going on in our world. And your heart can be heavy with burden because of the oppression that goes on. And the oppressors. It says, I look. I saw the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppression. There's nobody there to comfort them. Think about all of the people in North Korea that are literally being martyred in obscurity. Ever you get a chance, read the voice of the martyrs. It talks about men and women who have suffered the loss of everything because of a faith in Christ. And the oppressors just seem to grow stronger and stronger. And then he makes this statement. If there is no God, if we're living a life under the sun without a God, listen to what he says. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been. In other words, you're not born who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. Job felt this way when he lost his children and everything. He said, I cursed the day I was born. I wish I never took a breath. And there are times in the believer's life where things just seem to fold in on you and you say, boy, Lord, I'm ready to take me home. But what he's saying is life is filled with These type of situations, because we live in a fallen world, life is filled with injustice. Life is filled with oppression. But here, I want you to remember the words of Lowell's famous poem, The Present Crisis. He says, truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet the scaffold sways the future. And behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. God is watching everything. People will not be able to escape his judgment. Again, Solomon is going to hammer home that point at the end of the book. He's going to stand, say, fear God, reverence God, because everyone will have to give an account to him. And if you take God out of the equation, life doesn't make sense. With all of the injustice and all of the oppression, I like the way Longfellow captures also the idea of Lowell's poem. He says, though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly small. Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness he grinds all. 
God will judge. So he makes the first two observations. There's injustice. There's oppression. And then he looks at man's work, his labor, his achievements. And he says that those achievements, those works, many of them are birthed out of envy. We live in an envious world. Verses 4 to 5. And I saw that all the labor and all the achievements springs from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Now, he's looking at the two extremes. One, a person just wants more and more and more. They work overtime to get more and more and more. Like a dog chasing its tail, they just go in circles, around and around and around. And they miss out on life. I read about a man who was celebrating his 50th birthday. He had worked hard, planned hard, prepared to retire at 50. And there at his 50th birthday when he retired, he stood up and he greeted everybody and thanked them and thanked them. And then suddenly he went short of breath and he died of a heart attack. I know I've counseled people and helped them prepare for retirement and uh, talk to them and, 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 and they make all these preparations. But then retirement is changed and disturbed because suddenly God says, your time's up. We don't know when the day comes, but a day will come for all of us. It's appointed unto man once to die. Now, I know people literally, I, I, well, all they do is save. Take the money, save. Save. Hoarding, actually, they hoard. And they just keep the money, keep the money. Don't spend anything now. Keep everything, just hoard it. Don't live life now. I think they lose the capacity to enjoy life, and when the time comes, they won't want to spend it then anyway. I, I mean, the... What Solomon is saying is, don't make that mistake. But then there's the other extreme. There are those he talks about, and and the terminology he's using is this picture of someone who literally, they fold his hands and he ruins himself. Someone who just simply says, listen, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit back in front of my HDTV with my feet on the cushion there and just enjoy life. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to the beach and sip whatever, Coke or Sprite or whatever. There. But sibling, he said, no, they're, cons- they're missing it too. What you want to do is recognize that life is a gift from God. See yourself a stewardship of everything you have, a steward. But envy does. It's like the motor that drives people. (laughs) They go to their class reunion. And so they want to make sure the car is clean, the clothes look nice, and uh, they want to brag on what they've accomplished. Because they want others to look at them and feel like, oh, oh, I'm successful. 
There was an interesting article in Newsweek magazine a number of years ago about Washington, D.C., our capital. Listen to what the reporter said. Listen to his observation. Ambition is the raving, insatiable beast that most often demands to be fed in this town. The reward in the transaction is frequently not currency at all, but power, an ego massage. For this, the psychological payoffs, there are people who will sell out almost anything, including their self-respect and the well-being of a thousand others. There was an article on uh, personaltoday.com. It's a website about work and workers. And it had an article. The article was entitled, Professional Jealousy Grips the Nation. And in that article, it said that they had a survey of 1,500 people. Nine out of ten workers suffered from professional envy of colleagues that they perceived more glamorous, better-paid jobs, according to the survey. And it said two-thirds of the professionals were jealous of their friends, who their life appeared to be better, and one-third of them would envy their spouses. I thought, wow. Solomon, right on target. Look, she got a promotion. I should have got that. Look, they got the break. That should have been my break. People will climb over each other up that corporate ladder, step on whoever they want to achieve their particular goals. See, what Solomon is saying is the world that we live in is doggy dog world. People motivated by envy in their hearts of others. And they want to be envied by others. Is that what life is all about? Then what he does is this. As he looks at it again, he's going he's gonna to come to a conclusion. He's going to tell us in verse 6, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after one, the wind. So it's better with one handful and two you could get a lot more. Better a little with God. And, and, and just knowing you've done it right and you've stopped to enjoy the journey that God has given you and you see life as a gift from him and, and seeing it as a gift. You know, um, one of the great men of God in the Old Testament, a psalmist, wrote a psalm about this. He looked at the prosperity of the wicked, the prosperity of those around him, And he almost slipped. He fell. Almost did what Simon Weisendell did, throw off his faith. That's what the text says. But then in verses 16 and 17 of Psalm 73, it says this. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Literally, we can't understand why things happen the way they do. You gotta leave it in God's hands. You gotta realize that He's behind the scenes. He knows, He sees, He understands, and trust in Him. Simply trust in Him. But the psalmist goes on to say, 
but what a difficult task this is. Then it says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Finally understood. You have to go before God and say, oh God, I don't understand these injustices, these oppressions. I don't understand why people will stab others in the back about a job just to get ahead, rip another person's character to shreds. And you look at those things and you simply say, God, you are the judge of all the earth and you will do what's right. You will do what's right. There's a a Trappist, the Trappist monks, in, in, in one of those groups of the Trappist monks, they have a tradition, a ritual. What they do is every morning, the Trappist monks leave the monastery, they go outside the monastery, and they have an open grave. And each of them stands around that open grave, peering in, thinking about their death thinking about when their life comes to an end. Then when one of them dies, they take that Trappist monk, they put him in the the casket and they lower him and they cover that graveside up with the sod, the dirt. Then all of them get together and they build or they uh, dig another gravesite. And then they all follow the same ritual again, wondering, will that be my place of rest? Now, I don't suggest you go in your backyard and dig a cemetery plot, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to stop some time and visit a cemetery and to look at the gravestones, to go to a mausoleum and think someday it'll all be over with. And that's where I'll be. Until we're ready to die, we are never ready to live. It's when we're ready to die that we truly are ready to live. I I, I love what Peterson does with Matthew chapter 6, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in verses 31 to 33 in the message translation. Let me read those words to you. This is Jesus speaking, and this is the paraphrase that Peterson has. What am I trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God And the way he works, fuss over these things. But you know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God's provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Seek first his kingdom. There's a lot of things about life we don't know we don't understand and we'll never be able to explain this side of heaven 
The Word of God is always useful to study, and the book of Ecclesiastes is no different. This book shares the truth of God's presence that is always with us in this life and gives us encouragement in the midst of life's hardships. As you search for meaning among the mayhem, we pray you find it in God's plan for your life. Pastor Ed Jones will have more to share from this series on the next edition of Building in Faith, but you can find additional messages right now by visiting our radio website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our church homepage as well by clicking on Back to Home Page. There, you'll be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a home church is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close today, we'd like to say thank you for joining us. We pray your day is blessed by God and that you continue to seek Him in your personal journey of faith. Pastor Ed will have more to share from the Word of God on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your Word restores.